that their play on the field put them toward the back of the line. Kaiser doesn't see him. Ball is out. There always seems to be one team further behind. Alright gang, this is the Brown Notes Podcast, where we let them rip on the Cleveland Browns. My name is Scott. And this is Rico. How's it going? Oh man, the fucking Browns, dude. <laughs> I mean, you you would remember last week, last episode, I said I apologize because I thought that, you know, with it being the offseason, things were going to be kind of light. Well, it is fucking coming hot and heavy now and we need to get right to it because there is so much to talk about it's just ridiculous i can't believe it um let's just get some of the quickies out of the way uh jj3 is getting released any thoughts on that i mean it's funny because people have been like kind of reassessing his time with the browns and i just don't know if he wasn't a scheme fit or what but i never really thought he contributed much and i would have released him last year to send a message to the locker room early in totally. the season but why why do you think they didn't i mean same reason they didn't fire joe woods when they should have i suppose they just wanted to ride it out yeah, maybe contract. He was an Andrew Barry signing. I'm. I'll tell you what, man. I'm always suspect of anybody who he left a team that went on to win the Super Bowl the year he left. And anytime a guy is taking money to leave a team that's you know knocking on the door for the Super Bowl, I just probably a reason for thinking. That, right? Am I getting the guy that's going to lay it on the line for me or what? You know, because yeah. if you want to win, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you stay with the Rams? <sighs> You would think, right? But you know, good thing by releasing him before I think March fifteenth, whenever the league starts, they're saving like nine and some change million dollars on the cap, which is good. So That's what it's they, about. At least they're saving some cap, which is which is good. I think they're going to re. They're talking about restructuring Deshaun Watson, which is not really a big surprise because they kind of have to. Um, did you hear this thing? about i know you did but it's a good setup about the J, jimmy haslam with be, being the the current governor of the milwaukee bucks yeah and, why don't and, you and and the benefits that come along with you know, that why don't you define for anybody who's not listening if you can what that means okay just a a short like he's he's bought a stake in the milwaukee bucks yeah. the nba franchise and what does being the governor for this year mean so I, I guess uh, I don't know if they do it on a year by year basis, but but the owners or the people who are running the franchise elect the governor every year. Um, and, and part of the benefit of being the governor of the team for that a lot of time period is if you win a championship, you get the you get to receive the trophy from Adam Silver. So Jimmy Haslam just bought into the Bucks like last week. Um, he paid, I think, well, the team is valued at 3.75 billion. He paid like $875 million for his share of the team. And, and 
he is the governor this year and Milwaukee is one of the favorites to win the championship. And so you could see that dude hoisting the NBA championship trophy here in about four or five months. How about that? It's Wouldn't so that be kicking the nuts. Rico. It's so funny because he just bought a portion <laughs> of the team. It's like, I know it's like, what does he have to do potentially with their championship? Nothing, you know, yet he could be the guy that's you <laughs> freaking know, hilarious. So, well, you know, and go ahead. Well, this is a part of, Okay, we know that Warren Buffett bought, uh, I think, a majority share in Pilot Flying J. And so the Haslams are pivoting to this Haslam Sports Group, where they're going to basically be in sports ownership now. So they have the they have the Columbus. Who do they have in Columbus? Is it the uh, Columbus crew, the Columbus crew? And then they have the Cleveland Browns and now a portion of the Milwaukee Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks. Of course, they got started owning a portion of the Steelers. So I think this Milwaukee's Bucks move is nothing like they're trying to position themselves to, you know, have a larger share in the Bucks. I think it's about getting a foot in the NBA for full ownership of an NBA team at some point, just like how it evolved with the Browns. So as a Browns fan, does this worry you at all that the owner is going to have so many, we saw for years, we joked about uh, Randy Lerner owning, what was it? Aston Villa in in England, the soccer team and how we see more interested in that than the Cleveland Browns. Do we, do, are we concerned about this at all? You know, it's funny because I heard somebody, on the radio on the fan i can't remember if it was uh if it was nick and dustin or if it was uh peterlin but one of them said and it was a unique perspective that it's it's uh better that he is dealing with the bucks because then he's not dealing with the browns and he can be busy dealing with the bucks and stay and and not not be the fly in the ointment here so I kind of agree with that. And and so if, if things play out in this way, I'll be totally satisfied. If D Haslam, when they're having their morning coffee, right? If she's like, hey, Gemma, you can go ahead and go to Milwaukee or deal with the Bucks and be the governor and hoist the trophy. You let me take care of the Browns. You can hey, you can take care of the you can take care of the Bucks. Just stay out of Cleveland and let me deal with the Browns. If that happens, if he gets if he gets preoccupied with Columbus crew and the Milwaukee Bucks and just lets D Haslam take care of the Browns, I'd be totally satisfied with that. Well, that's a really interesting point because there's a school of thought out there that the Browns had. I don't want to digress too much. I know we got a million things, but there's a school of thought out there that part of the reason why the Browns had the success that they had in 2020 was the was the idea that Jimmy Haslam was not there because of the pandemic. You had COVID protocols in place and people basically couldn't be in the office and you had to depopulate. You had to reduce the number of people present in office and closed structures at any given time and people had to separate. So it reduced the meddling potentially by ownership. And I've heard that the Cleveland Browns have the type of workplace where, and I'm not talking about for the coaches or the players, I'm talking about for the people that are like the day-to-day people working in Berea, people who work on the computers and the cubicles, people who do marketing or whatever, that there's a culture in there that the Haslam's create where you can get a great performance review. And then two weeks later be fired that there's an eggshell culture that they have in place there. 
in Berea where people are legitimately never really know where they stand and fearful for their jobs. And that that's just kind of the type of culture that they, that they have there. If you're looking for sources, I'll just say, I've heard, I heard this on the fan and I heard it from Jason Lloyd on the ultimate Cleveland sports show. So I'm just a fan and I'm just consuming fan media like y'all who are listening to us. And it struck me because I think we can all relate to or have experienced in our professional lives, toxic work cultures where there are individuals or in worst cases, management in place that actually makes it a difficult environment to work in. And my understanding is that's very much what exists in Berea. Boy, I hope that's not the case because to your point, we've all been in those scenarios where you just like, you feel like every move you make is the wrong move and, and you just are constantly looking over your shoulder. And I, man, I really hope that's not like that because that's just no bueno. Um, And remember, dude, that guy is like, he's, I know it's his team. Okay, fine. But that dude is in the locker rooms after his, after the game, like his fucking grandkids are on the sidelines. I mean, Come on, just like step back, like be Robert Kraft and just sit in the box and just let let your guys run the show and just be the owner from a distance, right? But that's, that's Rico. Wants. That's part of what makes a bad workplace culture, though. So if you've ever worked at a place where your boss will not get off your back or is Ugh. always present, that constant presence makes everybody uneasy. It's really important for people who are in charge of other people to not be hanging over their shoulders and to pull back. And Haslam is all up in these people's faces all the time. His kids are in the locker room while Stefanski is trying to give a post-game speech. I mean, so ultimately, though, if Haslam Sports Group leads him to have other interests and he can go hang out with uh, you know the Bucks for a little while... If it helps Good. the Cleveland Browns by getting in the hell out of Berea, Godspeed. I mean, if you, I, I don't care if he's still signing the checks. Fine. If you need, if you want to put your name on the check, then good, do it. But just fine. Get preoccupied with your sports group and just let some people with that can do it do it. I I would be to, like I said before. I would be totally comfortable if he was preoccupied doing other stuff and D Haslam was just running the show. I think everybody would be happy with that. Um, so. Speaking of that, uh, there there was a report that came out a couple days ago, which is kind of an update on the stadium talk. And I just wanted to get your, we're not news people, but I wanted to get your perspective as a battered Browns fan on this. So apparently the story is the Haslam's are kind of pushing to get this done a little bit faster. They want to, they want to develop over by in between the stadium and you know over by Burke and east on the east side of Cleveland they want to develop that the story is is they want a dome or a retractable and they want to move right now they want to go quick bib mayor bib wants to take his time and be a little more deliberate and get some community perspective on this but then i guess the haslam's officially denied the story and said that they're looking to and here's what i wanted to ask you about I, from what I understand, they're looking to just renovate the stadium as it is, and they're denying the discussion of the dome thing. I want to see what you think about that. I mean, it's kind of disjointed, but you've read the article. I showed it to you. I just want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, and I'd like yours too when I when I'm done. But 
Uh, listen, I hate stadium talk. I hate development <laughs> talk. I don't know anything about this shit. I don't like talking about taxes. This is like, it's not sports to me, right? But I'll say this, okay? For one thing, what a fucking bunch of nothing from the internet firestorm that was taking place from this, uh, what was the Twitter account? Like, what the fuck was it? Dot or something? <laughs> tweeting yeah, it, out? Was, it was some weird... But the guy who uh, Pendergast is, I think, is the guy's name. And I recognize that name. He's been in Cleveland media before. So that's why I read the article and pushed it forward, because I recognize the name of the guy who wrote the article. But the Twitter hullabaloo and all the bullshit on Reddit was that, you know, this is a major bombshell and that it's, quote, not good for the Browns. And ultimately, all I saw was what I would have expected. And that would be. Yeah some push and pull from you know brown's ownership in the city of cleveland you want some healthy discussion and some healthy debate about what's right part of why first energy stadium is the cluster fuck it is is because they built the thing in a weekend because they they had to move so fast to get everything in line to get an expansion team awarded to the city of cleveland so you know i would want them to be deliberate about it and i would expect a little bit of dialogue between the Haslam's and the city of Cleveland and a little bit of push and pull that all seems healthy and normal to me. So I don't know, man, uh, as far as the stadium thing goes, that stadium is a shit. It's a shit stadium. It was a shit stadium. The day it was opened, it's hopelessly outdated. It's only 25 years old, but it is by modern stadium standards and what a city if you're going to be a big league city there's a certain expectation that goes along with that and it does not cut the mustard and it had me actually thinking about it i heard terry pluto on the radio this morning and i really value terry's opinion because he's been here a hundred years but it had me thinking that you know Cleveland has never gotten the stadium thing right. I mean, I think if you think about it, the Cavs were in Richfield when we grew up, right? So they weren't even in Cleveland. They played in a in a farm, you know, 40 minutes south, right? Um, the Indians paid rent to Art Modell to play in that cavernous Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which held 80,000 people and was just awful for baseball we had the weird thing where baseball and football overlapped and the first part of our football season was played on a baseball diamond this this the stadium was dilapidated and shit it had columns in front of people's sight lines and then whenever they tried to correct it they dropped the ball so much so by making jacobs field and the then gundarina that Art Modell felt cheated because he thought he should have got his stadium first. After all, he was the one renting to the Indians and they took care of the Indians first. So they fucked that up and actually lost the football team as a result of it. And then when they wanted to get a football team back, they built a stadium that was outdated the day they opened the doors, the day they cut the ribbon on first energy stadium. It was outdated. Am I wrong? If I'm lying, I'm dying. It was shit from the word go. So that stadium was so hastily put. It was so hastily put together that it's a, it's just a big pile of shit right now. So when has the city of Cleveland really gotten it right now? Progressive field is still a, a wonderful venue for baseball. I have not been to rocket mortgage field house since they renamed it, but it was fine as the queue, but 
but again, to get those, you lost the Browns. So they've never been able to juggle three sports franchises and venues for all three. In my lifetime, I have not seen all three of our sports teams have adequate venues my entire life. Not once. True. So true. why the hell should I have faith that they're going to fucking get it right this time? Right? I'm, I mean, it scares me to death. I just want the city to have something that makes sense for the taxpayers that can be used more than eight times a year and that they get some bang for their buck out of and that isn't an embarrassment for the city or the football team and doesn't chase away any of our other teams in the process. Am I crazy? You're you're if you really think about it, Rico, crazy. it's been a shit show our entire life. That's true, which is why I I I understand why Mayor Bibb wants to get some community input on this. However, this whole state to your to everything that you just said, the whole stadium thing has been a fucking train wreck for more than half of our lives and maybe all of our lives from one perspective or another. And so I feel like what they need to do is quickly come to an agreement and just get this shit done, because the longer this shit gets dragged out, the more it's going to wind up like the fucking train wreck when um the when model wound up moving it i'm not saying haslam's going to move the team because that's not happening but the longer that this gets dragged out the more of a shit show it's going to be and so i i i understand his need to be deliberate and make sure that we're making right decisions but dude you've i'm, I'm going to make this real simple your quarterback hates cold weather you need a fucking dome in cleveland tomorrow and well, they need to figure out a way to get it done tomorrow. Here's part of the problem is that it's always been, and tell me if you haven't been hearing about this your entire life. Well, we got to, it's, we need downtown development. We got to figure out what we're going to do with the lakefront. We got to deal with the, we need an airport that people can get in and out of. And not, it's all tied to everything else. And it's, that's been the conversation again, my entire life, I pretty much have accepted it. I'm never going to live to actually see it be resolved. I'll see a new stadium, but as far as this mythical development of Cleveland, it's going to tie it all together and, yeah. and make it a, you know, walkable city. It ain't happening. You know what I mean? And so because they've got this, this, this vision of a stadium tied into a grander vision of what they want Cleveland to be, that's what keeps it from happening. Does that make sense? It so total sense. Dude, there's been 37. For anybody who's not a Browns fan or not from Cleveland that's happened to be listening to this, 37,000 different investment groups have talked about developing the lakefront like over our entire lives this is such a fucking tired discussion dude i'm so tired of hearing it just put the goddamn dome stadium down there and if you can build some shit around it then fine do that over time but don't to your point don't tie it all into this one big unit because then it's not going to happen yeah. because then it's too much for people to accept you yeah, have to give them much. small got to give them smaller bites you know what i mean put a stadium then put some stuff around the stadium then spread it out over time then just go farther and then eventually you've got a nice dome stadium and you've got some development but you can't do it all at one time but you can do a stadium right now so if i'm just gonna and then i'll let you move on but it, yeah. um a little burp there terry was pluto nice. was on the fan this morning and i'm gonna go ahead and just 
plagiarize what he said because it was such Good. a great story that he told. Well, you're citing him, so you're not plagiarizing. Well, you know what, though? And you can always go back and listen to the fan podcast. It was uh, the morning show if you want to hear Terry say it himself, but it's probably on their website. But he talked about, and this is a real thing. I know it sounds ridiculous because we think like it's, you know, it's sports, but he used the example of, he said, I, I'm, I was born in Cleveland. I'm a Clevelander, but for years I lived in Akron because I worked at the Akron Beacon Journal forever. And he said, the city of Akron downtown where the Akron Beacon Journal offices were, he said forever, it was just dilapidated and scary. It was nothing he said. And these are his exact words. He said it was porno bookstores and CD bars. And that's exactly what it was. And he said, when the Canal Park got built there, it uplifted the entire area. The arrows moved from, they were the Canton Akron Indians. They moved to this beautiful new minor league ballpark right in the heart of downtown. To his point, he said they put it right in the backyard of the ABJ, of the Akron Beacon Journal. And he watched how that building that beautiful ballpark and bringing that team to Cleveland or to Cleveland to downtown Akron made every other business around there. It was like watering flowers. All of a sudden it bloomed and you had bars and you had housing and you had stores. And now it's actually, if you wanted to go to a, a rubber ducks game, you can make a day of it. You can go have dinner. You can go get a drink. You can do some shopping. You can, it uplifted the entire area. It used to just be kind of a scary downtown with like a lot of porno shit. And now it's not that it's a place where you can take your family and it's, it's cool, you know? So they have music, they have music in the summertime now, and you could never do that before. And yep. it's totally walkable now and down there. That's a great point that he is. He hit the nail right on the head. Just put a sweet ass stadium with a roof. If you want to make it retractable or a dome, I don't give a fuck. Put something with it, with a roof on it put it right down there and then everything else will take care of itself. It, exactly what you just said. Don't worry about the whole fucking thing all at one time. That's too much. Just put the stadium down there. Just like the, just like the rubber ducks did and everything else will happen. And I hope that they do it that way. Well, I'll say something controversial too, because everybody wants Haslam because he's a billionaire and just got like another 6 billion from Warren Buffett. Everybody wants him to bear the brunt of the majority of the cost of this. And I'll say this for one, he's not you're in fantasy land. If you think that's going to happen, but if I was Cleveland, I would want to have ownership of it and a heavy stake in the cost of it, because I would want to leverage some control over the stadium. And if I do have a retractable roof on it, then I can use that thing not eight times a year. I can use it all year long and I can tell the Haslam's I paid for it, <laughs> you know? Um, so if I was a city of Cleveland, I would look at it. This is an opportunity to make Cleveland had to hold events here, to have a venue where they can actually get some use out of it. Cause first energy right now, it gets eight, it gets used eight times a year in a couple of preseason games and that's it. And it's just sitting there the rest of the year. There's nothing being done with it. So if I was Cleveland, I would want to have ownership of it so I could have some say in how it's used and how often it's used. Absolutely. And they should not spend one more dime renovating that current stadium that's down there. That's a horrible it, idea. A terrible idea. And get rid of those fucking Tennessee-shaped um, video boards, please. Like, please, let's just leave those behind. 
Um, by the way, the the article that we're we're talking about it's the it's Neo Trans blog, Neo Trans blog, and the guy who wrote it is Ken Pendergast. Uh, a few days ago so that that's the article that we're referencing it says sources browns want new stadium mayor wants community input so that's the article that we're talking about um we posted it um so um let's get to a couple other quickies uh oh this is a quick one i heard that i saw on the internet that um the browns are getting alternative throwback helmets I think that's a pretty cool idea. I know you probably hate it. I could tell by the look on your face. If they go, dude, here's my vision, man. If they think about this, if they go all white with the, with the Oreo down the middle, that would be fucking kick ass, wouldn't it? If they did the all white with the stripes down the middle, I can't imagine it being anything else. But I mean, what sweet, else would dude. it be? The numbers on the side and no stripe and or whatever it was. They've already done that. The numbers on the side is lame, dude. They need to go white helmets. But that's a legit throwback helmet, right? Well, I mean, yeah, because they had white helmets like a long time ago. No, I mean the number on the side one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And remember they did that with uh, who, who who was, when did they do the number on the side? Was it Brady Quinn? or It was something. Char- Charlie Fry or Derek Anderson or somewhere around there. They did a season with the number on the side. Here's my thing, dude don't care i guess it's neat don't care but i'll tell you why i don't care because i feel like they've been doing this uniform thing is a boondoggle <laughs> it's a boondoggle because you hate the uniform talk well i it. do because you it's do. it's it's marketing and everybody gets baited by it because the team has sucked out loud for 20 plus years and it's all they can do to engage their fan base when the team has a 200 winning percentage for over 20 years you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel when your best player is a kicker and and a, and a tackle you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel for things to engage your fan base with mm-hmm. and that's why nobody the yankees don't talk about the pinstripes the lakers don't talk about the fucking goal they can't engage their fan base with a winning football team no they have to do it a different way so when fans get swept up in this bullshit last year it was a big deal for a fucking gray face mask (laughs) they made a big deal out of it rico because you were admired in the most miserable football season you'd had since the team went oh and 16 am i wrong so it's like (laughs) So they made a big fucking deal out of a face mask. It was the it was the whole talk for like a week. Who so, does so, that? So my favorite, just so you guys know out there, any 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 of you listener or two that might be listening to this, my favorite part of the week during the season is when the Browns tweet out their uniform combination because then I send it to Scott because he hates it. And I send it to, I send it to him every week and I send him the Browns uniform combo tweet. And I can, I can feel his head exploding when he reads my text. It really does. And it's amazing. I love it. It's my favorite part of the season, but I want fans to understand. I love the Browns uniforms as they are right now. I think they have a clean classic sports uniform i put it right there with like the bears and the packers and and you know they're they're just a classic classic uniform you know so i have no what i don't need is them always trying to mix it up to drum up fan interest and something to talk about when the team blows you know so i don't hate the uniform i actually love the uniform 
Well, and what you say about that holds weight because you're a graphic designer. So if you say that the uniforms are clean and crispy and look good, that holds weight because that's kind of what you do for a living. So, well, I mean, um, I'm not a fashion guy, but I, I have uniforms that I, I think the New York giants, when they wear just the blue jerseys with no piping, nothing, I think it's like the cleanest. I love the giants. I like I like just a clean, I don't like a super busy uniform. So to me, the giants, the Browns, the Raiders, they just have classic uniforms, you know, and I'm, I love the Browns uniform. I just don't like them making a big deal out of this dumb shit when the team blows. So um, I agree, man. Um, listen, I've been, I've said this, you know, before a million times before, dude, if the Browns win, they could wear fucking Brown burlap sacks and I'd be totally happy with it. Damn I right. don't fucking care. Just give me a win a football team. So are you remotely interested in how, the, the league and other owners are viewing Andrew Barry and the Browns at the combine and how they feel the Browns are in the scheme of things. Cause I got some little, I got some good info here for you. So this me. is how this is, this is per uh, SB nation um, by Jared Mueller. We know who that guy is. Um, what I'm hearing about the Browns in the first two days of the combine. So here's some, some interesting little tidbits. Andrew Barry is considered aggressive in every single conversation. He wants things to happen and he's going to push. So that's good. So everybody thinks he's going to be aggressive this off season. Um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't think of who Jesse Bates. Oh, Jesse Bates is a defensive back for Cincinnati. And I guess he's pretty good. And the Browns are eyeballing him, but he wants a shitload of money. So that's another tidbit. Um, Andrew Berry feels very confident that he can make as much cap space as he needs. And he has, he's not nervous about that at all. Um, here's an interesting one. Veterans, either free agents or potential trade targets are excited about playing with Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, and Nick Chubb, and are impressed by the addition of Jim Schwartz and Bubba Ventrone. So free agents and potential trade partners actually want to come here um, per this article, which is kind of cool. Uh, here's another good one. Head coach Kevin Stefanski is thought of highly around the league agents via per agents and players. Hmm. Thought that was kind of interesting. That's really um, interesting. But yeah, because he's kind of like he doesn't have a heartbeat, so I'm not sure how he can manage to get buy-in like that. But if if that's what if that's what the league thinks, then that's just better for us, right? Right. Um, I don't know who those two dudes are. I'm going to skip that. The Browns believe Schwartz can fix the defensive line issue, can fix the defensive line issues as much or more as new players. So I guess what that's saying is he thinks he can work with what they have and yeah, they don't necessarily need to go out and get a bunch of guys. So that's how I would read that. I'm not sure I agree. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, I don't agree with that either, but uh let's see. The team, like most, loves the current defensive line class in the NFL draft, which kind of contradicts the previous point um, in a certain, from a certain perspective. Uh, let's see. There's concern among some agents that the Browns-Watson contract could make it more difficult for them to get their vets traded to Cleveland, but they're going to restructure, dude. 
they're going to yeah. kick the can down the down the road, and yeah. I don't think that'll be an issue. The salary uh, cap. I don't think the salary cap means anything anymore in the NFL. I think the executives no. and the pencil pushers have figured out a way to get around that. I think the Jags this week freed up twenty six million, and somehow they converted existing contracts into signing bonuses. People just it's a it's this the cap is as soft as it's ever been in the nfl I totally agree they any team at any point in time can make cap space whenever they want i'm not a capologist i'm not an accountant i'm not a finance guy so i don't claim to know all the ins and outs of it but nobody in berea seems to be worried one single iota about the cap situation nope. so um i so i guess the the moral of the story is is the Browns are going to be aggressive this offseason. People want to come here, and people like Kevin, players and agents like Kevin Stefanski. So I guess that's good, right? It, it all sounds good. What's interesting, though, is it tells me that if you kind of read between the lines, they're going to be aggressive because they have to win. It's enough of the bullshitting. You can't, they cannot for another season. They can't have a losing season this year. They cannot. They will all no. be fired. They cannot justify three straight years of losing seasons with this roster. They can't do it. And so they have got to. So the aggressive nature that they're seeing is coming from that fire that only a potential pink slip can light under your rear end. They're, they are interested in winning. They're, we're actually going to see the Browns care about W's this year, and I would contend it would be the first time since 2020 that that's been the case. Amen to that. One more quick one before we wrap this up. So they hired Bill Musk, Bill Musgrave. That's the name, right? Bill Musgrave. You bet. Bill Musgrave is going to be an offensive consultant. Um, he's considered to be like a run expert and AVB AVP is going to focus less on being the offensive coordinator apparently. And he's going to be more, he's going back to being the quarterback coach, which Reminder to everyone who maybe forgot uh, Aaron Rodgers' best years as a quarterback were when AVP was his quarterback coach. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But thoughts: Bill Musgrave hired as a as a consultant, a run game expert. AVP going to be the quarterback coach. Go. So my thoughts are, and then I would like to hear yours and what time we have left. My thoughts are, I don't have original thoughts of my own. I heard Garrett Bush say that he heard that on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, that basically this guy is brought in to make Nick Chubb work in the shotgun. And that that's something that's the expertise that he can bring, which means they're not moving on from Nick Chubb. They want to keep Nick Chubb. And the whole reason why this guy is here is because he's the guy that can make this happen. I, I That sounds, I mean, that sounds, you got to do what you, they're going to completely revamp the offense, which if we take um, a snapshot from other successful offenses, the running back is sort of reduced. Look, look at, look at the chiefs. They're they're the the role of the running back is reduced. Look at the the Eagles, the two Super Bowl teams, both running backs had reduced roles, and I think they're trying to find. They want their cake and eat it too. They want to have this spread Deshaun Watson shotgun offense, but they also want to have Nick Chubb and work him into that too. So it makes sense if you want to if you want to use this guy and not reduce his role or or be forced to trade him for assets, then you bring in Bill Musgrave and figure out a way to work him in. I guess right. 
I mean, it shows me that the Browns are aware of because you sometimes wonder that with this team because they don't tell you jack shit. But it does tell me in what they've done. If you just Rico, if you just look at it, it tells me that they know everything the fans have been complaining about. The things that we see, we're being validated, right? By Jim Schwartz, by Prefer being gone and and Bubba Hotep being brought in. By the fact that they know <laughs> that Nick Chubb isn't going to work in a shotgun because let's face it, Watson's going to be in shotgun a lot, and so they know this. And these are things fans have told. We we know this, and so it's just kind of validating to see that the the moves the Browns are making make sense for the issues that we saw. So maybe the guys there are smart and know what the hell they're doing. We'll see. Yeah, that's a really great point you brought up. I mean, if people want to have some positive vibes about what's happening just listen to that point right there it does and i didn't think about it that way until you just said that but it makes it does appear as if they are they really are aware of what they need and they really are aware of all of the things that we've been screaming at the television about which is good so they've they've surrounded kevin stefanski with a pretty cool pretty good staff um and they're going to be aggressive this offseason. They're going to rework the cap. So we can feel good about that, I think, right? Maybe. Can we end the show feeling good? Only in March. Well, yeah, <laughs> this is this is our best time of the year. So this is the time, all you battered Browns fans out there, where you can feel good about being a Browns fan. Uh, oh, my gosh. What a week. That was a lot in this episode. Man, a lot, a lot. And it's uh, the hits keep on coming. I'm sure we're it's, they'll have another 37 stories dropping before our next episode. So that's good, right? All right, Rico, go Browns, go Browns. I guess I feel good about it. Yeah, go yeah. Browns, go Browns, go Browns. Woof woof. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, all day, all night.